of control. And the economy's out of control. And politics are out of control. Well, baby, you can rest assured uh, it might all be out of control. Uh, but God uh, is always uh, in uh, control. I wish somebody with a revelation would give him a praise uh, over that right now. That's why I don't worry. That's why I don't fret. Because it doesn't matter what happens. God is in control. Would you put your hands together one more time and give God a great big praise? Come on, I wish you'd make a statement with your hand clap this morning. You ought to clap your hands with confidence. You ought to clap your hands with power. You ought to clap your hands with anointing. Yes! 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 Woo! Glory. Anybody excited about what we feel in this place this morning? Hallelujah. High five about eight people on the way to your seat. Tell them God is in control. God is in control. Woo! Glory, glory, glory! Hallelujah. Uh-huh. He's in control. He's in control. That's settling on somebody right there this morning. He's in control. It just dawned on somebody right there. He's in control of this. I wonder how some of us would act this morning if right in the middle of your circumstance you got a fresh revelation that God's in control of this thing. And God already said that I'm the head and I'm not the tail. He already said I was above and not beneath. He already declared I'm the lender and not the borrower. So it doesn't matter what it looks like right now. God is in control. You might as well not play with it this morning. If you know God is in control. show my glory in 
somebody. The enemy cannot create chaos without God's permission. I know some of y'all don't believe that. But God trusted Job enough to say, I, I can vindicate my glory uh, with this man right here. Uh, because it didn't matter what was happening. Uh, Job had a revelation. Uh, though he slay me, uh, yet will I, I trust him. in control I wish I had a witness in the building that would just shout one more time that God is in control God is in control do you believe it this morning hallelujah amen you can be seated for just a moment in the sanctuary my God it feels like Sunday morning church in the house you excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Woo! 
Let me take a brief opportunity this morning to welcome all of our guests that are here with us this morning. Rock Church, can I borrow your hands and your voice one more time? Come on, we can do a little bit better than that. Help me make welcome all of our guests that are here with us today. We are so delighted to have you in the house of God with us. And if this is your very first time here at the Rock Church, you should have received a VIP invitation. This is an invitation for you to join us immediately after the service in our VIP room. And we have some light refreshments and a small gift that we'd like to give to you this morning as a token of our appreciation that you would come and spend Sunday morning with us right here at the Rock Church. Amen, somebody? We want you to know that you're only a guest for five minutes. After that, you're just at home as far as we're concerned here at the Rock Church. Amen? Would you turn around and tell three or four people sitting next to you, welcome home this morning. Come on, help me tell them. Tell them, welcome home this morning. Amen. We're so glad to have you in the house of God today. It is so good to have uh, this family with us all the way from Virginia this morning. Would you help me give them a great big hand clap of welcome? They drove all the way from Virginia to be in service with us this morning. I'm joking. They're here on vacation. And, uh, but I think they did drive from somewhere here in Florida to be with us this morning. And we're honored uh, to have them in the house of the Lord. To everybody tuning in online, we're thankful that you uh, clicked and logged on to uh, see what everything that God is doing in this place today. What a week we have had around here at the Rock Church. Woo! Several people baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost this past week. I think we ought to give God a praise for that this morning. Amen. I don't see them here this morning. I think maybe they might just be uh, celebrating a little bit of a honeymoon. Uh, but yesterday, um, Esteban and Jay were married. Amen. I don't know if they're watching, but I think we ought to give them a hand clap of congratulations this morning. They were baptized last Sunday in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And God is doing a great, great work in their life. And so congratulations to them. We're, we're thankful for everything that God is doing and uh, how many of you have been blessed uh, the past several weeks with the ministry of evangelist Xavier White in the building? We're excited to have Brother White back in the house of the Lord with us this weekend. Amen, somebody. Would you stand with me all over this sanctuary as we prepare for the entrance of God's word into this house? Amen. While we have enjoyed the presence of God and certainly it has been a, a, an honor to give him the praise. I have expectation in my spirit this morning. And I believe that God has prepared a word for this house today. Amen. How many of you came ready for God to speak to you today? Come on, would you lift your hands? I, I, not your neighbor, not the person in front of you, not somebody behind you. How many of you came hungry today and said, God, I want you to speak to me? 
Would you lift your hands one more time in the sanctuary? Come on, give the Lord some praise as the evangelist comes. Come on, Brother White, preach the word of the Lord to us today. Oh yeah, let's lift it to Jesus alone. He's the only one that's worthy this morning. God, we love you, Jesus. We thank you. We lift you up. We honor you. We exalt your name. lightly um, I know I've said that multiple multiple times but I want you to know that I truly am honored to be at the Rock Church of Fort Myers I went home last week for our camp meeting I was gone for nine days and uh, while I was there I thought people would say brother white how are you doing we miss you Everybody was saying, where's Brother Williams? I had to keep telling them, well, that baby of his is almost here, the grandbaby of his. And so I kept saying that over and over. And I finally looked at a pastor friend of mine. He said, where's Brother Williams? I said, Brother, am I not enough? I'm kidding. I love, love, love the Williams family. They're boys and their daughter-in-law. They are some of the most precious people to me, and I'm, I'm thankful and honored to be with such great people and to be with people who have such a burden to see the souls of many get saved and come into the knowledge of God. I'm telling you, you'll never be able to trade that for nothing in this world. And I'm also thankful for all of you. Well, go ahead and give yourselves a hand clap. Thank you all for being so kind to me and loving on me and being friendly to me. I appreciate it more than you will ever know. Uh, and I'm, so, I love that I get to come and preach to a group of people that know how to shout. I don't know about the rest of you, but I couldn't go to a dead church. I like what I feel too much in a Pentecostal church to go to a dead church. I can come to this place and lay my burdens down and then run the aisles. I like what I feel in the Pentecostal church. Well, my restaurant on time this morning. Joshua chapter 14 verse 10 while you're turning I give honor to my pastor, Pastor Holmes. I love him so very, very much. I'm aware of the time. Verse 10 says, And now behold the Lord hath kept me alive as he said these forty and five years even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses while the children of Israel wandered into the wilderness and now lo I am this day fourscore and five years old as yet I as yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me as my strength was then even so is my strength now for war 
both to go out and to come in. Now therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. For a short time, I want to preach to you from this thought. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. And that is for every mountain. If you wouldn't mind stretching your hands toward this pulpit and asking God to be with us for the remainder of this service. Lord, we're thankful, God, that you've already met us in this place, God. Lord, I feel your presence so strong in the house, God. Lord, I'm asking you for the next few moments, would you anoint these lips of clay and hide me behind the cross so that I can do your will this morning, God. Lord, touch somebody's soul, God. Lord, fill somebody with the Holy Ghost. Lord, let somebody realize that they need to be baptized in your name. Lord, do it in Jesus' name. Help us this morning, God, to see your will fulfilled. And we owe you yes, and we owe you amen. Everybody shout in Jesus' name. Oh, come on, we can do better than that. Shout in Jesus' name. Oh, come on, are we in a Pentecostal church? Shout in Jesus' name. for that praise team. The scripture that I presented before you today, we find a man by the name of Caleb. Caleb was a man who pursued God, who loved God, who knew that God was all-powerful. Caleb was a man who way back when, he told the children of Israel that we can possess this land. He said, but uh, the people were against him. There were 10 spies that said, no, that's not true. We've seen the giants in the land. But Caleb and Joshua said, no, we know that God is able to bring us out. I want you to understand something. It is very confusing to me that the children of Israel had just come through the Red Sea. They had just seen God give them manna from heaven. They had just seen God give them sweet water at Mara. They had just seen God give them meat to eat. And yet they come to a land that was already possessed. And God said, if you go into the land, I'll give you the land. But they did not trust the hand of God. Instead, they feared that if they went into the land, that they would surely be conquered. And because of that, we know that they had to wander in the wilderness for 45 years. But Caleb knew something that they did not know. He said, let me explain something to you. We're getting to this point in life where God is about to give us this land. He's dividing the land. And there are people that might possess the land, but I will not be mistaken a second time. God will give us the land. And Caleb was a man who had a little bit of a fight in him. 
He was ready to go to war with anybody. Let me tell you something. There are some battles we have to fight, and there are some battles we shouldn't even have to be fighting. Sometimes we find ourselves in battles that God never destined for us to be in. But for whatever reason, here we are. Maybe it's the sin nature. Maybe it's our own arrogance and pride. But some battles, you just need to put it in the hand of God and say, whatever you decide to do, God, that's what I will choose to stand on. But when you back up just a little bit to verse number nine, he says, and Moses swear on this day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet hath trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever. I want to tell a parent this morning that anything that God is giving you in the spiritual, it's going to affect your children later on. Let me explain something to you. You want to know why your children know how to pray and worship? It's because somewhere along the way they're watching mama and daddy do it. Hey, I'm going to tell you now, you ought not depend on Bishop showing your children how to pray and showing your children how to dance. At some point, you ought to grab them by the hand and say, in this church, we run the aisles. In this church, we dance and we shout. We don't just sit on our pews and act like God hadn't been good to us. We worship God. But Caleb understood that what is mine will be my children. As he said, I'm not going to sit on the wayside again this time. I'm not going to let my opinion be overran by a bunch of doubters and fault finders and complainers. He said, if God's given us this land, we shall surely pursue it. I'm waiting on somebody to get it with me this morning. Let me tell you something. There's somebody in this room, you've been fighting devils, you've been fighting spiritual warfare, and you're not sure how God's going to do it. But I'm here to tell you this morning, God's already set you up to win. You just got to depend on it and trust in it. And so what we see is Caleb, what you got to understand is Caleb was I, I was confused by this because for whatever reason, I always thought that Caleb was a judge of Israel. But he was never a judge of Israel. Caleb was just a man who knew what God could do. Caleb was a man who, he was down there in Egypt. And he said, I, I tasted the garlic and the leeks and I tasted all that stuff. He said, and, and it wasn't good to me. He said, but when God spoke to this man named Moses, and when God told him that he was going to give us a land that's overflowing with milk and honey, he said, I made up in my mind that my children would not taste garlic and leeks, but they would drink milk and honey. Let me tell you something. Somebody in this room, you need to make up your mind. Your children won't get to suffer in the sin that you suffered in. But instead, your children can live in a land that's overflowing with milk and honey. And so Caleb gets behind Moses and he says, whatever, whatever you say, I believe in it. Whatever you say, Bishop, I believe it. I'm trusting you because I know God's able to do it. You know, let me tell you something. God ain't brought us this far to forsake us now. He gave us all that we have to leave us now. He didn't give us this building just to leave us now. Hey, I, I promise you, when God gives the building, he's not going to let it go foreclosed. I promise you that. Hey, if it's his will, I, I believe it's his bill. God 
will take care of his people. And I, don't mistake me, I'm not preaching a prosperity doctrine. I, I don't believe that. I do believe God wants his people to be blessed. And Caleb says something very interesting. You can be seated. Caleb says, listen, all those years ago, 45 years ago, he said, I was only 40 years old. He said, and back then I was convinced that we could take this land. And I was a lot younger, maybe even considered a lot stronger. He said, but now 45 years later, you realize Caleb was about 85 years old when he made this statement. And he said, and even in my old age, I'm ready to fight for this land. He said, they ain't going to steal it from me this time. I'm not going back into the wilderness and dying in the wilderness. He said, if this land is ours, I want to possess it. If God's given us the land, I'm going to take it. If God said that we'll be more than conquerors, I believe it and I'm going to be what God has called me to be. I'm going to tell you something today. I, I, I don't, I don't want to do nothing but, but cut the head of the devil off because he's been lying to some people in this room and he's got you downtrodden. He's gotten you feeling defeated. He's got you feeling beat up. You think there ain't no way for you to come out of this. I'm here to tell you that God is about to bring you out with his mighty hand. Not a weak hand. Not, not a lip-wristed hand. But his mighty hand. His strong hand. And so, the thing about Caleb that's very interesting. He says, I was young then and I believed it. He said, I'm old now. And I still believe it. He said, matter of fact, I don't feel any more weak in 45 years. Let me tell you something. As, as Pentecostals, as Christians, one of the main things that I feel like we struggle with in church is spiritual immaturity. We have a lot of people, you spoke in tongues, and I'm glad that you spoke in tongues, but you ain't spoke in tongues since the day you first got the Holy Ghost. I'm here to tell you, that's not the will of God for his people. Hey, if you ever want to get stronger in the physical, you got to keep going to the gym and lifting weights. If you want to get strong in the spiritual, you got to keep coming to the church and praying. And don't just pray because you feel you, you ain't got nothing else to do, but you pray till you pray through. You pray till you speak in tongues every day. Why? Because I got this old nasty flesh inside of me, and it's got to die daily. I got to kill this man so that I can be spiritual. And he said, I don't feel any more weak. I went to God, there'd be some seasoned saint that would stand up and say, I don't feel no more weak. I've been running for Jesus a long time, and I ain't got tired yet. But he said, makes a statement. He says, I don't, I don't feel any more weak than I did that day. He said, and, and because of that, God has preserved and kept me for such a time as this. Moses told me that I would see that promised land. Moses told me that I would be able to walk in there because I had faith enough then to believe that God would bring us through. It's, it's very troubling in, in the churches that I see today that we're lacking this faith that God is able to do absolutely anything. I mean absolutely anything. I'm going to say it again, absolutely anything. Maybe I'll say it till somebody gives absolutely anything. Well, some of you still ain't got absolutely anything. Some of you still absolutely anything. You've been praying a long time and you're not sure God's going to do it. God can do absolutely anything. God can bring you out of the pit. God can raise your babies up. God can bring them back to church. God can
can deliver you from that smoking addiction. God can give you healing. God can make, turn your lying tongue into a truth tongue. God can do anything. And, and you know, this is, you, you're going to think I'm crazy for what I'm about to tell you, but, you know, I was on a plane Friday, and I, I hate flying. I truly do because my ears hurt so bad. My ears feel like they're about to explode out of my, ear, out of my head when I get on a plane. And I never thought to pray about it because I just thought it was something I had to deal with. But, man, it's, it's painful. And, and I got on this plane on Friday, and I wasn't sure how it was going to work out. And, I, and as we begin to ascend, I'm sitting there and I, my ears aren't popping. And keep in mind, I just prayed about it. Now, I know you probably think, now, Brother White, that's something so dumb. It might have been dumb to you, but you don't know how I felt going through it. Because I'd sit on that plane with my hands over my ears, and people would look at me like I was crazy. And I'm watching these little kids. They look like they're having the time of their life. I'm like, am I the only one going through this? And surely enough, we get, in the, uh, uh, get all the way up there to our cruising altitude. And all of a sudden, I realize I can hear very well. My ears don't hurt whatsoever. I, I don't have to, I don't have to, to, to cringe when the, the stewardess is talking to me. I, I feel great right now. See, what you're thinking is, Brother White, that was something so small. But to me, that was a great big old mountain. And when I got over that mountain, when, I land, when they landed that flight, I about to cut a rug. Why? Because I finally got over that mountain. And even though it might have seemed small to everybody else, it was a big thing to me. God can do anything. He can heal your ear infection situation. He can heal anything. He can heal that cancer that's riddling your body. He can dry it up today. God can give you the Holy Ghost. God can set you free. God. He well, here's the thing. It takes you believing he can do it. See, some of us, we ain't seen it in so long. We don't believe he can do it. Some of us, we've been wandering in the wilderness so long that when God brings us to the place of deliverance, we don't believe he can do it. And we'll sit there, and we would rather go back into our wilderness. We'd rather go back into this place of wandering, just lost, no real answer. All you have is a pillar of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night. That's all you got. And some of us are so content and God's saying, no, I'm not content with that for you. I'm glad that you enjoy it. I'm glad that you, you, you enjoy coming to church. And I'm glad that you enjoy listening to the music. And I'm glad that every now and again you run the aisles and you shout. He's saying, but I, I got something deeper for you than that. I, I want communion with you. I want conversation with you. I want I want to be, I want to dwell in you. I, I, I decided to take my presence out of that old dusty tent of the Old Testament, and now I dwell in earthen vessels. I desire more for you. And he's brought us to this place. And, and, and what's sad is that because a few of us have doubt in our minds, the rest of us can't see where God wants to take us. You realize that there was 12 spies sent. 10 came back and said, we can't do it. But two said, I, I know we can. But God did not honor 
the two other than what they would see later in life. But God said, listen, if they don't have faith that I could do it after all that I've done already, I, don't, I ain't no point me bringing you into the land. Because when I bring you into the land, I don't want there to be doubt. I don't want there to be murmuring. I don't want there to be complaining. And I don't want there to be fault finding. See, some people find complaint in everything. Well, I didn't get no claps on that. That's okay. I'll, we'll stay here a little bit. Some people find complaint in everything. Some people, the music's too loud. And why the air conditioning ain't working? And my God, the choir was rocking the whole time. My God, it's, it's so hot in here. Let me tell you something. You just need to get in where God's trying to flow. Because God's not concerned about all of this as much as he's concerned about where your heart is this morning. And he looked throughout this congregation of people and he said, where are the people that have enough faith to believe I can do it? See, those people, help me, God. See, those people, you wonder why some people, oh, I don't know if I should say this. But some of us are wondering and twiddling our thumbs, wondering what's going on with our kids. I know I don't have no kids, so I know you probably ain't listening to nothing I'm saying about this, but, you know, you ever think maybe somewhere along the way it was your lack of faith that affected their lack of faith? Because when they saw you talking mess about people around the dinner table, when they heard you saying stuff about Bishop at the dinner table, if you didn't trust him, they don't trust him. And now you're wondering why they're out there running the streets I'm coming to tell you, it's because somewhere along the way, there was a mama and a daddy that would not stand for God, even at the dinner table, even at the car ride home. It doesn't matter how you felt about it. You don't keep, come on, somebody. You don't talk about the man of God like that. You say, well, we're just going to pray for him. It doesn't matter what you feel about it. God's got his hand on it, and your children are watching. And that's what he says. He said, I want my children to be covered. He said, so if Moses said that it's so, I'm believing it. Because Moses was our leader. Moses, in some retrospect, was the pastor. And if Moses said it, I believe that God spoke to him. And if God is speaking, then I'm going to trust every word. God's not going to bring us to a land and leave us high and dry. God's not going to bring us to the promised land and make us have to leave it. God will keep his people. And so Caleb says, give me my mountain. Give me my mountain. Why? Because I've seen God bring us through other mountains. I've seen God bring us over. I've seen God lift us up as we begin to slide down. I've seen God deliver us too many times. You're not going to tell me that God cannot do it. He says, give me my mountain. Caleb, at 85 years old, was still willing to go to battle. He said, I don't care who's in there. I don't care what the name is. I don't care who your mama is. I don't care who your daddy is. He said, you got something that belongs to me. And as long as God is standing on my side, give me my mountain. See, what we got to understand today is that all of the battles that were won in the Old Testament, that's why the Bible says his train fills the temple.
because you understand that when a king would go to battle, every time he won the battle, they would take the train of that the king that lost, and they would sew it on the end of the king that won. And our Bible tells us that his train fills the temple. You know how many battles God's won? I mean, you need to think about it in your own life right now. Some of y'all looking at me like I, I, I'm crazy. I, I'm not crazy, I promise you. I just want you to understand something. There are battles in your life. There are mountains in your life that God's trying to bring you over. God's not trying to leave you at the bottom of the mountain so that you can't conquer it. God's not trying to leave you in a valley situation. God said, I got you. Give me my mountain. I'm trusting that God will win this battle. I'm trusting that God will deliver me. I'm trusting that God will set my kingdom it's free. I'm trusting him. So he's given us victories after victories after victories after victories after victories. I'm waiting on the rest of you to get it. After victories after victory. You realize that it's a victory that you're even in this room this morning. But see, some of us, we, we're, we're letting... We're letting, uh, we're letting the adversary of our soul win. Because I'm going to tell you, even though you're facing battles, it's not the will of God for us to sit on these pews and act like God's never done anything. Because there was a bunch of battles that he already brought me through. And if he don't never do another thing for me, I've already can thank him enough for all that he's already done. Let me tell you something. You, you, you may not have seen God heal cancer, but my mama had cancer just about this time a year ago. We didn't know what was going to happen. I, I, was, I was terrified. I, I thought I was going to lose my mama. And, and you know what? You'll never feel the hurt that you feel when you see your mother losing her hair, struggling with cancer, weak. I, and, and I'm telling you, I, it, it did a deal on me. And I couldn't even be home often because I was out preaching. So imagine how I was feeling. But when my mother called me in about October, she said, hey, Zay, I just want you to know, she said, the doctor told me that I don't have cancer anymore at all. There was no more cancer in her body. So let me tell you something. That was a mountain that he brought me over. And to God be the glory. I'm telling you, God can do it for somebody else in the building. He didn't just do it for me so I could testify about it and not give him glory. But he gave it to me so I could tell somebody else God can heal. Because let me be honest with you. The reason why you're going through trials is so you can know that God's able. Hey, God doesn't give us trials just for no reason. But God's trying to, maybe you need a healing this room this morning. God's giving you that ailment so that you can proclaim him to be a healer. God wants to get the glory out of it. Hey, God's not going to share the glory with even a doctor. If God does it, God did it. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe you ain't got with me yet. I don't, I don't, I'll tell you, there, there's, there's something behind the reasoning that we have not broke out yet in this room. I don't know what it is, but I believe it's something spiritual. But I'm gonna tell you, the devil's a liar. And I'm not gonna let him get the victory over this place. Hey, we've been having too great a revival for us to be this quiet this morning.
we've been having too many breakthroughs and deliverances for us to be this quiet this morning. Hey, come on, somebody. I'm trying to, I'm trying to preach to somebody. You need to realize that God will bring you through. And so in the New Testament, this is what the Bible tells us, okay? Hopefully you get it. But the New Testament gives us an understanding that even in the midst of battles, God has now given us something that even when we're struggling, even when we don't see the answer, God's given us something that's very pivotal to our victory. You want to know what that is? He gave us a name. He said, now you, you don't have to say Jehovah Jireh when you need me to provide. You, you don't have to say Jehovah Rapha. You, you don't have to memorize all the different names that I had of the Old Testament. He said, but I'm giving you a name that's above every name. I'm giving you a name that when you call that name, demons flee and the devil trembles at the name. I'm giving you a name that when you call it, there ain't never, you ain't got to worry about a presence of darkness around you. Because when you call that name, it illuminates the space around you. I'm giving you a name that when you call it, I can come to you immediately. I'm giving you a name that when you call it, I can break addiction immediately. I'm giving you a name. I wish somebody shout the name right now. Well, come on, you need to shout the name a little bit louder. No, come on, shout it till you feel breakthrough. Shout it till you feel liberty. Shout it till you feel victory. Shout it, shout it, shout it, shout it. And he says, not only has he given us a name, he said, but I got something else I'm going to do. He said, I'm changing the dynamics. He said, not only am I going to give you a name you can call, he said, but I'm going to come dwell in these earthen vessels. He says, so not, not only can you call my name, he said, but I'm also living inside of you. He said, so when, when trials come like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord can raise up a standard. I wish some folks would preach with me this morning. I'm telling you that you're going through it. I understand you're going through it. I understand you don't see a way out. But I'm telling you, the Spirit of the Lord is raising up a standard for you this morning. You have a name that you... You have a name that you can call this morning. You have a way of escape this morning. And God's trying to speak to his people and say, I've already made a way. So listen, that's why, can, can I just go there? That's why I don't believe in baptizing in titles. You might get offended, but I, I'm just going to tell you the truth. Because the Bible says, let everything you do in word or deed be done in the name of Jesus. The Bible lets us know that the name Jesus is the most powerful name in all of humanity. The Bible lets me know that when I call the name Jesus, demons flee and the devils tremble. The Bible tells me that at the name of Jesus, every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess that he's Lord. And th that's what the Bible tells me. So the Bible tells you all of that. Where in the world we get into this business of baptizing in Father, Son, Holy Ghost? That's not a name. But when I went down in the name 
and they called the name Jesus over me, one thing it let me know, there wasn't a devil in hell around me. There wasn't no, there wasn't no evil presence around me. Because when he said, Brother White, I now bury and baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ, all the devils in hell fled away from me. Let me tell you something. Some of us, we've been battling dark spirits is what you're battling. But I'm here to tell you, if you go down in the name, when, when, when that name's called over you, you pick up the name. When you come up out of the water, you now pick up his name. And when you pick up his name, when you go into the marketplace and the devil's around you, you got a name. When you go into Walmart and the devil's around you, you got a name. When you go back home, and the argument ain't stopped. And everything around you falling apart. You got a name. And his name is Jesus. I said his name is Jesus. <laughs> his name is Jesus. What a beautiful, lovely name it is. So, Caleb says, give me my mountain. He said, because what I do know is this. He said, all the battles I've fought, every trial I've been through, he said, God brought me over those. He said, and so I know he'll do it again. Let me tell you, there is an ever-present danger if we begin to forget what God has done for us in the past. Because when we forget, then what you realize is you'll, you'll, you'll start to sit down and be so comfortable in church that nobody can move you. You know, I love this good music, but, but you'll even sit down while they're playing and not be moved. But see, you're forgetting that God brought you from that drug addiction 12 years ago. You're forgetting that God filled you with the Holy Ghost when you called him. You're forgetting that God made your husband a good man when you started praying about it. You're for, I'm going to come down your road this morning because obviously you're not going to preach with me, so I might as well preach at you. God is trying to tell the church, you're forgetting where you came from. You was in the wilderness. When I called your name, get up from your place. Get up from your dry place. Allow me to do what only I can do. Let me tell you something. You, you, you don't know how bad you want sweet water until you taste the bitter water. Uh-huh. You, you don't know how bad you miss spring water until you've been in Florida drinking whatever water y'all have. I tell you, I told somebody, I don't know what the deal is, but the water down here just tastes so different. They said it's because it's ocean water. I said, I hope to God it's not. But when I went home, I was tasting that spring water. It just felt so refreshing to me. And as there's some of us, you've been so far away from sweet water for so long, you don't even remember what it tastes like. You don't remember. God said that this, you need to get in where the glory's pouring out. Some of us ain't been under the flow in so long. You, you don't remember what it felt like. You don't remember what it felt like last time you got so loose in the Holy Ghost that somebody may have to carry you out of this place. You don't, some of you ladies don't remember what it felt like the last time you shouted till your bobby pins came out and you, and you just kept on going because you didn't care about none of that. 
Some of you young men, you don't know what it feels like to loosen up your tie a little bit and unbutton your top button and get a little crazy for God because you've been in the wilderness too long. Let me tell you something. That we, you go to some of these Pentecostal churches, so-called, and I tell you, it's so dry. It's like you can hear a, a, a rat licking ice in the back. I, I'm not trying to make fun of nobody. I really ain't. But it's the truth. And, and I always think to myself, one of the reasons for it is because somewhere along the way, we as the people of God are forgetting where we come from. You realize that what made David dance so violently, it was not necessarily his current circumstance. I know a lot of people say, well, they were bringing the ark back in the, uh, Israel. Well, and that's, there's some truth to that. But think about what he, what he said when his wife confronted him. She said, David, why in the world are you dancing like a fool? She said, you down there in front of the maid servants and in front of all the house of Israel? That's embarrassing. And David said, Mikhail, you, you don't remember, I'm sure, but your daddy was a menace to me. He said he was hateful. He tried to come for my own life. Matter of fact, you don't even remember that he kidnapped you and, and when I was in uh, Ziglag. He, you, don't, you don't remember any of those things. He said, but every day I remember it. He said, and because I remember it, when I get down there and I feel the presence of God like I feel, he said, I'm sorry, but the next time you see me dance, it's going to be more vile than you've ever seen it. Why? Because I'm beginning to remember again. I'm beginning to think about it again. I'm beginning to recall to my mind again. Because when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul gets happy. My soul gets happy. I can't help but dance. I can't help but give him glory. I can't help but praise him. Because the truth of the matter is, Brothers Ferlazza said it earlier. I hope I said his name right. I may have butchered it. But he said, I, I should be in prison. He said, I, I should be on drugs. You realize that that's all of us, right? Because if you had done what you thought about doing, you'd have been in prison. But the Holy Ghost stopped you, thank God. I, I, I should have, according to the world, I, I should have been homosexual. According to the world, because, you know, daddy wasn't there. So because daddy wasn't there, I should have been on drugs like daddy was. I, I, I should have, because of my size, I should have went to the NFL or, or something crazy of that nature. But let me tell you something, that I wouldn't get no validation from any of that mess. Because one day I walked down that Pentecostal altar and when all the fighting in my home wouldn't stop and when the arguing wouldn't stop and when everybody around me was going crazy, you know, it wasn't those dead churches that I found peace. It's crazy because they said we're crazy and that our church services are chaotic. Well, this is the most peaceful chaos I've ever found in my life. Because when I come into this house, I don't know, it's just something about when people get to swing in their heads and hands. It's something about when people get to picking up their feet. It's something about when people get to shaking in the Holy Ghost. It's something about when people get to jerking in the Holy Ghost. It's something about when people get to dance. 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 It's something about when
brought me through. For every battle he's ever won and I didn't even fight. For every situation he gave me the answer for. For every answered prayer. For every unanswered prayer. For every mountain. I owe him. I owe him. I owe him a yes. I owe him a thank you. I owe him a praise your God. I, I understand some of us can't dance. Bless your heart. Well, let me tell you something. Some of us, we can find, we can't find a way to dance or worship, but we can sure find a way to complain. Well, now you're going to get mad at me, but I promise you Bishop ain't told me to say this. Some of us complain so much we can't even see the good. But I'm gonna, well, because I'm gonna tell you, I, I, I listen. I know where you where you're at. You you should have heard me in my hotel room when I started preaching out. My God, I was so depressed and down and out because I wasn't married. Woe was me. Sometimes even now I still get fed up because I'm not married. All my friends getting engaged and having babies makes me sick. I'm kidding. I'm praying for them. But, I, you know, the, the point remains. I was sitting in my little hotel room having a pity party. Keep in mind, I just preached for one of my heroes. Not here, okay? I've gotten over it. But I was preaching for one of my heroes, Brother Sam Emery. And I remember I went and I sat in that hotel room and I was so upset and down and out. And I was sitting there, and, I, and all of a sudden, like the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, Xavier, 
God talks to me straight. He said, boy, you asked me to make you a preacher. And I made you a preacher. You asked me to help you be an evangelist. And I've opened doors for you. You just preach for somebody you esteem highly. And you're going to dare go into that room and start crying and having a pity party? Just like Brother Collins said, the bad part about a pity party is you're the only one to show up. Because when you're having a pity party, ain't nobody going to call you. Ain't nobody going to text you. You, you, nobody want to deal with you because you're complaining too much. But when people start asking you, how's life going? You know, the Bible does talk about speaking those things as though they were. I understand you might be fighting some battles, but you could say, you know what? I'm fighting some battles, but God's going to bring me through. Just keep on waving your hands. Keep on worshiping. Hey, it might, it might look like chaos to somebody else, but it's peaceful to some of us. You just keep, I don't know You keep on coming to prayer. You keep on showing up to church. You keep on giving him glory. You keep on lifting his name. You keep on giving him glory. Because I'm going to tell you this. I'm getting closer to close. I'm just waiting on the last 20% to start preaching with me. And then we'll get out of here, okay? So what happens is... I don't know what you've been delivered from, brother. But whatever it is, it's obviously worth shouting about, ain't it? And to be honest, I might not have struggled with what you struggled with. But the Bible tells me to do one thing. Rejoice. Never rejoice. So some of you, you might say, well, Brother White, I ain't got a reason. I, I tell you, you got some reasons lined up across this front right here. And the Bible says that every, let everything that have breath, praise the Lord. So it doesn't even matter if you feel like you got a reason or not. But just so you have a couple reasons. I, I'll, give you, I'll give you a couple reasons. Is that okay? First of all, you made it to the house of God this morning. And I'm going to tell you, the devil's mad about that. But I, I just feel like the devil's so happy to see some of us not moved, not shouting, not dancing. Because he don't, I'm going to be honest, he probably don't really care that you came to church as long as you're not changed at church. Because see, if you go back home with the same attitude you had when you got here, if you go home and you're still complaining like you was before, if you go back home and you start that argument back up with your wife that you was having before church, help me God. If you go back home and you're still mean to your children, if you go back home and you're still smart and mouthed at the mama, I'm going to just be honest with you. The devil don't really care that you came to church, but i tell you what he will care about if you let God change you while you're in church. And so what does that look like? Well, you know, you came in here heavy. You know, they sing that song, if you walked in heavy, you're going to walk out like... Some of you need to go ahead and lay the burdens down. Well, well, help me God. See, we want to hold on to it so bad because, oh, well, this is, this is, you know, it's, God can't deliver me from that. God can't deliver me from this. God can't deliver me from my sexual tendencies that are driving me up the wall. God can't, God can't heal me from the trauma that I had as a child. God can't deliver me from the sexual abuse that I experienced. I'm here to tell you this morning, God can and God will. 
But at some point or another, you're going to have to say, God, here it is. I don't want to deal with it no more. I don't want to struggle with it no more. When you give it over to God, God will take care of it. And I'm going to tell you this. A guy in my church, he's a very smart man. I don't know why he's not preaching. Colton Duty, he hears me. But he said something to me one time I thought was so profound it blew my mind. He said, when your burdens get heavy, let your feet get light. Some of y'all let that went over your head. Let me, tell you, let me explain. Some of you, when you come into church, you're so burdened down with the trials and tribulations of life, and you're thinking, oh my God, there's no way I can overcome. I, you know, you you fighting all the things. You like you might be like Brother Collins. You didn't know how your bills was going to get paid. And you only had $5 in your wallet. Hey, I remember those days. And I remember, oh God, I hope I never have to go back to them. But I'm going to tell you that even if I only got $2 in my bank account and I only got $5, enough to go to Taco Bell, you better believe that when I come into the house of God, regardless of what's going on outside, Regardless of what my trials look like outside, I serve a God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. I serve a God who he's not running out of money. He's not running out of money. Let me tell you, oh God, help me. I, I, I keep getting more stuff as I'm preaching, so maybe God's trying to wake somebody up in this building. Because I'm going to tell you, you've sat down too long. You've sat down. Maybe I need, is my mic working? You've sat down too long. God's trying to get you up out of your seat today. You, you, you know what God's saying? I feel this in the whole world. God's saying, I, I, I'm the God who flung the stars into existence. I'm the God. Who told the ocean to stop right there? I'm the God that speaks to the winds and, and the waves, and, and I'm the God who, who knows every hair on everybody's head in this room. He said, I'm the God who gave you everything that you see. I told the trees to come up out of the ground. I told the sun to set and go down and come back. He said, I, I told the moon where to stand at night. He said, I did all of that. He said, but out of all of my creation, out of everything, out of the angels, because, you know, the angels are in heaven saying, holy, holy, holy all day long. So when you think about that, this is what you need to think about. The angels are in heaven every day, every day, because God doesn't sleep nor slumber. So every day, God is, is hearing this, holy, 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 holy. But you know what? That's not what intrigues God. Because they have to do it. You know what intrigues God? God's peeking into Fort Myers, Florida right now. To a bunch of people that have free will to worship him. To, to a bunch of people that, that he brought out of drugs and brought out of the bar room. To a bunch of people that he made a way for. To a bunch of people that don't have to worship him. But he would really love for us to worship him right now. And instead of hearing the holy, 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 he wants to hear a people that have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. He wants to hear from a people. We're getting all of the rest of you to stand to your
starting to feel like church. Now, I'll be honest with you, I just came from camp meeting, so maybe I got an unrealistic expectation. But the one thing I can understand, when you read the Old Testament, there's a lot of people that say you ain't got to do all that in the New Testament church, but that's, that's ludicrous. Because when I read the Old Testament, the Bible says that God doesn't change. Now, obviously, there are some things that changed with the law. But there are things about God's character that did not change. So what, what do you mean, Brother White? What I mean by that is, if God enjoyed stringed instruments in the Old Testament, and the apostles didn't correct us in the New Testament, then that means God enjoys stringed instruments in the New Testament. If God enjoyed the organ in the Old Testament, and the apostles didn't correct us, then that means God enjoys the organ in the New Testament. I'll bring it closer to home. If God enjoyed David dancing like a fool, <laughs> I believe he enjoys dancing like a fool in the New Testament. But see, with some of us, we got, we got that burden on us. You know, uh, I heard Daniel McKillop, he's a genius. I love hearing him preach, but he was talking about how you know, when you're unequally yoked, what happens is you're, you're yoked up with somebody that, that ain't really doing what you want, what you, what you need to see done. And so what he said was when a, when a bull is, is yoked up with a lazy bull, for say, he said that the bull that's doing all the work, you know, his, the back of his neck's getting rubbed raw by that yoke. See, I'm, I'm not here to preach on marriage, okay, so y'all can calm down. I'm not married. Help me, God. But, but one thing about it, he said, sometimes, you know, when it's yoked up with, with a, a partner that's not going to help him, he said that bull, what it would do is it would throw its neck back and forward. And he, he said it would just be trying to ease the pain because the yoke is, is rubbing the back of his neck so raw that it, it, can't, even, it can't even do the work necessary. It's so focused on, on the fact that the, the yoke has got him burdened down. See, some of us, we yoked up with the wrong people. And so we come into church and, and we so burdened down that the yoke is bearing down on us and we can't even, we can't get free and we can't focus on nothing else because we so, we yoked up with the wrong folks. You know, I'm going to tell you, my brother Keith that I can't dance like he can. He's like, oh Lord, he's in Sunday. Help him, Lord. Well, come here, brother. I don't know if you can dance or not. I can't really dance either, so. But, but one thing about this, this thing we call the church, you get yoked up with the right folks, it makes that burden that you're struggling with a whole lot easier. Because see, some of us, we come in here, we so burdened down, and the yoke's rubbing the back of our neck so bad, and we struggle, and we can't even, we can't even focus on church, because we're like, my God, how the bills gonna get paid? Oh God, my son has an attitude. My, my, my husband ain't, ain't gonna ever come to church. But God, God's saying, no, you just need to get yoked up with the right folks. Because when you get yoked up with the right folks, they'll help you carry the burden. And next thing you know, you, you, you sit here and you, you're with people that know how to dance and they're teaching you how to dance. And, and you're with people that know how, how their marriage was on the rocks at one time. So, so they know how to help you with your marriage that's on the rocks. And, and they got kids that's struggling a little bit and and, and they know how to help you pray for your kids that's struggling a little bit. Hey, when you get yoked up with the right folks, 
it'll help you turn around and realize, excuse me, brother, you, you look back and you think, my God, look how far we done come. Look, look how much ground we've covered. Look how many mountains he's brought us over. And because he's brought us over all those mountains, if I ain't got no other reason but to dance for the mountains, he's brought me over. Now, I know, know y'all know they're gonna dance. We're gonna shout. But I really, I really want to drive this one home. Because God has brought us over another mountain. And another mountain. And another mountain. Well, come on, and another mountain. And another mountain. And another mountain. And he just keeps on bringing us. He just keeps on bringing us over another mountain. And another mountain. And he's brought us through another battle. And he's brought us through another battle. He just keeps on bringing us out. As long as I got God on my side. Hey, come on, you might not have a reason to dance, but you ought to put your feet on the head of the devil today and
tell you what I'm about to do. I'm about to cut the devil's head off and put it under my feet. Now, you can sit there and act like everything's going so perfect in your life. You can sit there and act like you got it all together. But I'm going to be honest with you. Brother White needs God. I need him every single day. And I need him more today than I did yesterday. So they're going to start singing that song. And even if you might not be in a battle, you need to remind yourself. For every mountain he's brought me over. For every trial he's seen me through. For every blessing. Hallelujah for this.
Just a place Praise the Lord 